James chapter 5, verse 16. I'm probably going to really talk about why people don't pray or, or what it takes to get you to pray more often. James 5, 16. And let's read. It says, Confess your trespasses one to another. Pray for one another that you might be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The Amplified says the effectual fervent prayer of a man in right standing with God makes tremendous power available. Now, I want you to notice, and I'm going to read the rest of this, that he calls Elijah a righteous man. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. That means he's a natural man. He made mistakes, did things wrong, had emotions like everybody else, but he still called him a righteous man. And um, with a nature like ours, he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. Prayed again, the heaven gave rain, the earth produced fruit. I want to read something to you that I wrote down. Lynn Hammond said, prayer draws people to you and creates space for God to move. Prayer connects you to people. If there's people and you think they're distant, take it up in prayer first. Go to, go to God in prayer and break that wall that's break, that's hindering you and that relationship or that fellowship and break it. Um, very often, whenever a person uh, says, well, you know, we, you know, we don't come to church anymore, go to God and pray, something's broken there, and you need to deal with that in the spirit realm. And a lot of times, they'll, the connections you have with people where, where they're not listening to you, you can deal with that in prayer. Now, the other thing is it creates a, a space for God to move. And we've, we've covered this many, many times. It seems as though God can do nothing but someone ask him. It, because you're in dominion, you have dominion, God's not moving any more than you're praying. Again, I was listening to Paul Youngy Cho, and he said, I, ha I have so much to do with a million people. I have to pray six hours a day just to get it done. Some people go, I don't have time to pray. I have so much work to do. Well, wait till you get a million people in your business, and then you have to pray six hours to get your work done. Prayer is not a hindrance to you. It's a help to you. You need the strength from God. But I want to talk about one of the reasons people don't pray more, and, and, um, and, and that is sin consciousness or not being righteous conscious. And, you know, what I'm going to do today, right now, this evening, I'm going to go over some stuff that's very simple, stuff you've heard before. Doesn't matter the way you heard it before. Frank will tell you, you can hear this all your life. And when, when, when T.L. Osborne died, now, did anybody does not know who T.L. Osborne is? Raise your hand. I want to, don't know who he is. Okay. T.L. Osborne started doing crusades overseas in Cuba in 1950 with 50,000 people in a crusade, 50,000, started having mass crusades with mass healings. He died a few years ago after um, over 70 or 80 nations that he's been to. The average crusade was 100, 200, 300,000 people and been doing it over 50 years. It's estimated 
that he has seen more miracles than any human walking the earth and led more people to the Lord than all other ministers combined. Now think about that for a minute. I'm, not, I'm trying to tell you who he is for one reason. What book do you think is his favorite book? This one. Apart from the Bible, y'all don't know that. He said E.W. Kenyon was his, his Bible school. This is a man that's won more people than any other human. And he said E.W. Kenyon is his Bible school. That's where he learned the Bible. And then he said his favorite of all the books is the book on righteousness. And Kevin said he was reading it when he died. Now you would think that after that many years, he would have this down. This isn't something you get down. This is something you stay on. It's like a horse. You got, it's more than eight seconds. You're going to have to ride this puppy all your life. So I want to I go back to righteousness because what I, what I see is good people who because the devil has hoodwinked you and, and a lot of people don't know who they are. Their, their, their identity, we have an identity crisis in America and we base who we are on what our mama said and on what our daddy said or what the world says. You know, it, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever had the thought, I wonder what Jesus looks like? I, I've had that. But why? Because that is the primary way we identify people. But you ever wonder why there's no description of it? Because it's not important. Your color, your gender, your height, your nationality means nothing. It's not your identity. The only person that has the right to tell you who you are is God. Not even your mama. And if God is on your side, it doesn't matter whether anybody likes you or not. So I want you to think about the fact that, that we need to establish who we are. A lot of times we, we, we talk about who we are by what we do. Someone says, well, who are you? Oh, I'm a pastor. People ask me, who are you? I said, I'm a Christian. No, 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 no. Who are you? I'm a Christian. That's who I am. You ask me who I am, I'm a Christian. Oh, you, you ask me what I do, I'm a pastor. But when everything that you leave behind, don't identify with it. Your house, your car, your business, whatever it is. Leave it. If you can leave it here, it's not an identity. Amen. Amen. But, you, but, you're a, but you're a spirit and have a soul, live in a body, and you're, and you're going to heaven, and you're a child of God, and you'll be a child of God there, so that's your identity. Amen. Now, because of that, now because of that, he makes a statement here. He says, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now, we have an idea in the body of Christ that a, a righteous person is a person who has a lot of spizzerinctum. They're on fire. They're in every church service. They witness. They've led 2,500 people to the Lord. They're always, I mean, they're always on their game. And, but it, it could be anybody but me. Now, how do I know this? Because when's the last time you went through a tr problem and you said, please pray for me? There is a time 
to get people to pray for you. There's a time. But are you asking because you have no confidence in your walk with God? And, and if you are, don't, don't get in condemnation. Just But I'm going to show you how to overcome it. Barbara, a lot of people don't pray because they don't think it would do any good. Well, he ain't hear, he don't hear me anyway. Well, that's because you're not righteous conscious. Now, we're going to talk about being righteous conscious, how to increase it, how to become righteous conscious to where you know that you know that you know you're a new creation. You're the righteousness of God. You are who he says you are. Okay, because that's important. I'm going to read some stuff out of this book that I've marked it up for you. I'm not going to read the whole book. The man who fails to understand righteousness has no approach to God. Now, this is a, this is a lost person. He's talking about a sinner. The sense of condemnation has given him an inferiority inferiority complex that makes a coward out of him. It robs him of faith in God and in God's word. This sin consciousness holds him in bondage. He feels he has no right to approach God. He knows he's not good enough to pray and have his prayers answered. And if he does pray, it is a prayer of desperation. That's a lost person. Whenever we talk about lost people, one of the reasons you need to go preach the gospel is because they're not coming. There's already such a sense of condemnation on them, they wouldn't dare walk in the church and hear the word of God that shines a light on their life. That's why people leave church. But they need you to pray and they need you to go to them and find them and, and lift them up because until you do, they're never going to get over sin consciousness. Okay, all right. Now, the gospel's good news, but, but you know what? They don't know it. Man, all men have a highly developed sin consciousness, a spiritual inferiority complex, a sense of unworthiness that dominates him. He is ruled by doubt. He has a, all he has is sense knowledge, a folly that is incapable of finding or knowing God. That is a state of a man before he's saved. That's all people. This is the reason why you and I need to go preach to them and set the captives free and minister love to them because without ministering love to them, they're not, they're not ever going to hear it. And you got to pray for an opportunity to spend with them because you need that door to be open. Okay. Now listen to a few more statements. Sin, Paul said in Romans 6, 14, sin shall not have dominion over you means exactly what it says. If you live a life of weakness and defeat, it is because you don't know who you are. Let that sink in a minute. If you're defeated, it is because you don't know who you are. And the attack of the enemy is always coming at you to challenge who God said you are. Always. They did it. He did it to Jesus. It's not a sin for you to be tempted. It's not a sin for you to be attacked. It's not a sin for you to have doubt. Just choose truth. Okay, let me finish reading. All right. 
Righteousness, now what is righteousness? It means the ability to stand in the presence of God without a sense of guilt or inferiority. Now, you understand that if you are made righteous, and I'm going to show you that you are, how do you get over an inferiority complex? Because the person who's hindering you is you. It isn't God. So you have to do something now to overcome this, and it's called developing a righteous conscience. Now understand something. I didn't say you needed to become righteous because you already are. It's just that you are not necessarily righteous conscious. That causes you, to, the way you think, the way you see yourself is why you act the way you do, why you do the things you do. Now, when you see yourself the way God sees you, you'll stop a lot of dumb stuff. That's a powerful statement, isn't it? Yeah. If he loves, now think about this. We're gonna, God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. When's the last time you sat back and just, oh, thank you, Father, that you love me as much as you love Jesus? I mean, does Jesus get his prayers answered? How many of them? Well, then you too. You too. Okay. This is going to cause you to want to spend more time with God. Righteousness makes you want to spend time with God. That's going to propel you into a mighty prayer life. All right. So, God is righteous. A redemption that did not make a man righteous would be a fallacy. The Bible says you are complete in him. Most people believe that you will be righteous when you go to heaven. Your life will be better after you die. What are you waiting on? Do, does God need the devil to kill you to finish the work he began? Oh, that's a good thought. I mean, I got a stir. I got eight people grumbling. I mean, I even heard a little Spanish lady back there. Hallelujah. Okay. A redemption that did not make a man righteous would be a fallacy until a man is righteous and knows it. Satan will reign over him. Disease will be his master. The instant a man knows he's the righteousness of God and knows what it means, Satan is defeated. So you're really not, right now the biggest issue is not you getting God to heal you. Sickness is spiritual. When you become righteous conscious, you understand Satan can't put anything on you. So the issue is not you trying to get God to give you something except for him to give you the knowledge of what he already did for you and you growing in that knowledge. 
That's what Paul in Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3 was praying, not that God would give you anything except a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your heart would be flooded with light. See, the more knowledge of what happened to you that you possess, the more of the kingdom you walk in. See, all Satan's trying to do is keep you ignorant. Amen. But just don't let him. Okay, boy. I'm I'm just reading. I ain't even started my sermon yet. I'm just reading the book. All right. We have become the righteousness of God in Christ. And we're going to talk in a minute about how he did it. Let me, just, let me just stop right here and I'll tell you how I did. Go to Romans chapter 4. Go to Romans 4. Let's read how God made you righteous. Now, when I give you a scripture like this, if you want a righteousness, righteous conscience, write these scriptures down and read them every day. Read them every single day. Don't just hear it and walk away and say, I got it. You didn't get it. Okay? Now, let's look at this verse. Romans 4, 20. He was delivered because of your offenses and raised because of your justification. Another translation said he was delivered because of your sin, but raised when he made you righteous. All right, now let's, t- let's, let's, let's paint a picture. The only one that could have died for all of mankind, and I'm going to quote a scripture here, Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5.20, him who knew no sin, Jesus, became sin. He became sin. He didn't take. He didn't, he didn't die on the cross and they put nails in his hands and punish him for sin like a child gets a spanking. He became sin. God poured all sin on him, and he became sin. You remember in the, in, the, in the Old Testament it said to take the snake and put it on a pole, and that's a type of Jesus. He became Satan. His, he took your nature in himself, and then God, he went into the region of the damned with that, and once that the, the penalty was paid 100%, God said, it is done, and the Spirit of God raised him from the dead, and the Bible says he's the firstborn from the dead, or the first man to be born again. So that's how we know the church began when Jesus rose from the dead. Didn't start on Pentecost, like I was talking on Sunday. The church has got that, and so, boy, they got that screwed up. Okay, so when Jesus was made righteous, you were dead in sin. You were dead. So he walks up to Peter who is dead in sin. See, it wasn't Peter's cussing and ugly that made him a sinner. It's the fact that he had sinned and he was dead. So God, Jesus can't marry a woman who's, who, unless the woman is de- dies. You can't get married unless the spouse dies. That would be adultery. So his bride had to be dead. So he raised you from the dead, and he did that by taking his life and putting it in you so his 
your life is his. How can the life in you be any less than him? It can't be. So he gave you his righteousness. That's pretty strong righteousness. He didn't fix a broken person. He recreated you with by becoming one, his spirit, when in your spirit. Now, can I just throw something at you that will blow your mind right out of your head? We talk about, well, you know, I pray in the spirit. What's the difference in your spirit and his? They're in. Paul said, I was crucified with Christ. So we know he didn't physically go die on a cross. But he's talking substitution. I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I'm now living, I'm living by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So I want you to understand what I'm fixing to say. Now listen listen carefully because this is going to sound like I'm a heretic. What is my toe's name? It's Daryl. My toe is not Joe, and my other toe is Bob. And my ear is Jill. No, it's not. Your head, my head's name is Daryl and the body. So that would mean that Paul is the body of Christ. He is the body of Christ. Now, now listen. We're talking about the fact that he is a spirit. When he said, when Paul says, I am the righteousness of God, it's not bragging on himself, it's giving God glory for the union. So the only way for Satan to do anything is for you to be ignorant of who you are. So let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. What would happen if Jesus laid his hands on a sick person. What happens if his body does it? Are y'all out there? You go home. I'm drunk. You're thinking, I know you're sitting here going. You see, you're not thinking the way that I'm telling you to think because you feel like, I wouldn't dare think that. Not me. <laughs> Why not you? What does it mean if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation, a new race, a new species that never existed before. All of the old is gone. All is made new. How much? There's no, he, he didn't get you 98% there. You're 100% as righteous as God Almighty. I know you're shaking. Listen, the first time I heard Kenneth Copeland on the radio preaching this, I listened to him for a year. And at the end of the year, I still didn't believe anything he said. I mean, because I'm thinking naturally. I'm thinking, Kenneth, I'm not righteous. God Almighty, I'm not right. But I, but, but I'm not talking about who I am in my soul. I am a spirit, and I have a soul, and I live in a body. 
Now, how do you get over your, your flesh? You, renew, you put on the new man that's on the inside, get your mind renewed to who you are, and that starts working on you, the way you live. This is an inside job. Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. Now, see, you probably noticed that occasionally you don't act like Jesus. How do you get there? Be transformed outwardly by the renewing of your mind. You, I'm going to tell you, you, you say, sin has no dominion over me. You'll quit sinning. You'll go. Gee, I, I am the righteousness of God. Just that attitude will change the way you think. Amen. Now, God defined you. How dare another man define you? Listen. Everybody has people that don't like them. What do you care if God is for you? It don't matter what everybody else thinks. We have to get to the place where I don't like you. Oh. Somebody said, people always look at me and they go, you're trouble. And I said, that's what Satan told me this morning when I woke up. I don't care what you think. Are you, have you lost your mind? You th- what makes you think that you are someone who can have a thought and I would give a rip? That's right. You, as, you have exalted yourself high because if God likes me and you don't, you're messed up. That's right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, see, if you don't like you, nobody else is going to. Some people's biggest problems is they don't like themselves, and that's why people don't like you, because you don't like you. It is. They'd like you if you were nice. You'd be nice if you liked yourself, and you'd like yourself if you ever realized you were the righteousness of God. You're complete in him. He's already finished. The work is done. You don't even have to get water baptized by a special method. By a preacher who needs you to come to his church or you'll go to hell if he don't baptize you. That's the biggest bunch of hooey I ever heard in my entire life. They just, just look at him and say, I'm righteous. I mean, listen, in all reality, only use what I'm teaching you against your enemies if you really want to tick them off. I mean, if you want to make a mess out of people. One day I was at a, we were building a house down in Bay Hill. And I was working on a crew, and, um, and I'm over there talking to him about the Lord. Some people know just enough Bible to be dangerous. And, 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 and they're quoting scriptures they heard their mama say. And, they, and, one, and I started talking about righteous, and one of them said, Ain't no unrighteous, no, not one. Ain't nobody righteous, Morgan. Ain't nobody righteous, no, not one. I said, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. He goes, No. I said, I'm as righteous as God. They picked up rocks and had full intentions <laughs> on killing me right there in the dirt until my boss called and got me out of the mess I'd gotten myself into. But see, people who don't go to, they don't know that. 
I'm going to show you in a minute why you need to know this. So let me read this again in Romans 4.25. He was delivered because of our offense and raised because of our justification. Therefore, having been made righteous by faith, and we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Peace is not a feeling. You have, God is not mad any longer. When he sees you, he thinks you're Jesus. Be quiet. You're down there whining and he's going, what's wrong, Jesus? I've never heard you pray like that before. What happens to a man when he realizes that he's wall-to-wall Holy Ghost? You start laying hands on people and they start recovering. And it's a ball. It's a ball to realize that God, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And you live like that. Now, understand something. You don't get over sin consciousness in a week. It, it, it takes a little bit of time to kick this thinking out of your soul, okay? Um, sin consciousness can be identified as the reason for practically every spiritual failure. Think about that for a minute. Sin consciousness is the reason for the failure of Christians in church. Not up to, you just have people come to church. We're just praying that God would fall. Well, we want him to fall too, but if he doesn't, we're here. Yeah. I, know that, I know that may smack you a little bit. Brother Hagin said one time, says, if the anointing is on me, I use it. If not, I just lay hands on him in faith because the greater one's in me. If you're never going to lay hands on nobody in faith, you ain't never going to need the anointing to come on you. Okay, let's, let's, sin consciousness can be identified as the reason for practically every spiritual failure. It'll destroy your faith. It destroys the initiative of your heart. It gives man an inferiority complex. He's afraid of God. He's afraid of himself. He is ever searching to find someone who can pray the prayer of faith for him. He has no sense of his own legal right to stand in his father's presence without any condemnation. Now, I say this, and and I need to quit saying it around my boys because they take liberties. But, you know, they don't come over to the house and ask us nothing. They just eat food. They walk in the door. They open the refrigerator. They have no sin consciousness at all. They just think that what's daddy's is mine. Dad, you got any ammo? Dad, you got need dad? I need some. A dad, I need a pocket knife. Dad, you get. And I'm and I'm happy to do it. I'm glad they're my kids. But the neighbors better not come over and get in the refrigerator. They're not my kids. But you and I have got to get to the place where we're as comfortable in God's refrigerator as. I mean, walk in the throne room and open up his refrigerator and go, oh, let me see if there's anything in here to eat. Oh, there's a steak in here, glory to God. 
Every good and every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights. He delights in blessing you as much as you do your own kids. And more so. He said, if you being natural know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more does God want to give good things to those who, listen, he loves you more than, you know, he loves you way more than you love your own family, but just think about that. That's a, that's a right, that's a consciousness, this is my home. We try to tell the boys this is not their home anymore. We still, never mind, I'm, I'm not going to say that ever. The sense of unworthiness will destroy your faith. It'll rob you of peace of mind and make ineffective the most earnest and zealous prayer life. People who are sin conscious don't pray. Would you pray for me? I'm going through a hard time. No. You do your own prayer. Oh, come on, you're the pastor. That's right. My job is to teach you, go into all the world and teach them to do what I said, and I'm fixing to teach you to do what he said. If any man going through a trial, let him pray. I ain't singing a song when you're happy, and I ain't praying for you when you're sad. Thank y'all, boy. Y'all are excited. Now, what about the time if two agree? There's times to hook with people and say, lay your hands on me, get in agreement with me. There's nothing in the world wrong with that. Sometimes you're getting in a battle and it says when things are tough, you find somebody and say, get in here and let's get in agreement together. One will put 1,000 to flight, two will put 10,000 to flight. But that's because you're working a spiritual principle, not because you have sin consciousness. Do you understand the difference? There's times Lisa will walk in there and go, honey, just to get in agreement with me right now, we need to pray. And we just sit down together and agree together and pray. Brother Hagin said he would drive about 50 miles to another church and pray with a pastor friend of his, Pastor Goodwin, and say we would get together and pray together. I needed someone to hook with me in prayer. That's why we have corporate prayer. But that doesn't mean that he didn't believe his prayers get answered. There's just, he's fixing it. I just need some, I need to crank this thing. I need twin engines on this jet. <laughs> I need another. All right. Now, do you understand? Um, righteousness restores to man all that was lost in the fall. All. Plus, a new relationship as a son with all of its privileges. Now, you can walk with God again, but you have to get over that towering timidity. God did not give you a spirit of fear. Now, now listen to what I'm about to say. Just listen to me carefully. We think timidity is humility. It's not. Well, you know, I'm just a, I'm a quiet person. No, you're scared. The righteous are as bold as a lion. You need to get up and go, Heavenly Father, I mean... Get in the habit of raising your voice and using it heavenly. And just what does the word say? I've been made the righteousness of God. I'm complete in him. Him who knew no sin became sin that I might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. You need to lift your voice and boldly declare what he says. 
because you're not coming out of sin consciousness until you do. You're going to put his word in your mouth. That, you know, Mark Hankins preaches a lot on your words. And what he's really talking about is you need to learn to put his word, what he said. And when you first say it, you're, you're going to feel like you're lying. You're going to read it and go, that ain't true. Say it anyway, it is true. It's just your soul, it's odd to your soul. You know, when I was a kid... When I would change grades, go from sixth to seventh, I always felt I'm in the wrong room for the first month. You, you know, this is where the big kids are. And I'm, how many, I mean, am I the only one that ever, when you're in school, you, but after you've been there two or three months, this is your room. And after that, you're about to move up. God will move you up and you'll always have feelings like you don't fit. But you fit. You're graduated. Let's go up a notch. And the environment will be different, but it's your new environment. It's where you're going to grow. Okay. Um, Isaiah 53, 6, I think. We're going to be in Isaiah in a minute anyway. Yeah, Isaiah 53, and then we're going to go to Isaiah 61. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We hid, as it were, our faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. We esteemed him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his bruises we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, and we have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. I want you to say this. My iniquity was laid on him. It is paid and I don't have it anymore. You see, you have to get scriptures like this and read them to yourself and go, he laid all of my iniquity on him. Now, I don't have time to do it tonight. But all sickness is staying because of sin consciousness and you have not become righteous conscious. I'm going to prove it. Himself bore our sin in his own body on a tree. Talking about sin. Having died to sin might live for righteousness by whose bruises for the sin you're healed. Where's the healing coming from? The sin's paid. Anytime that you're dealing with sickness, You've got to go back and go, the sin is paid. That debt is paid. I don't owe you that. I don't owe you that. Amen. I'm not in debt to that. I, this is not mine. Does that make sense to you? Because you have to have a, Psalm 103, he forgives every iniquity, comma, heals every disease. Why is it always connected? 
Because it is. Sin, sickness didn't come in the garden until Adam sinned. Well, when Jesus bore your sins, you no longer have to be sick or broke or, or anything else. And, and so why, why then do we have a piece of armor called the breastplate of righteousness? Because Satan is always going to come and accuse you and those darts need to hit something. It can't be your righteousness. It has to be his righteousness. And once it hits it, it can't penetrate your heart. Amen. See, Satan wants to get in your heart. But if he can't bring up your sin because you're, I'm a new creation. Old things have passed away. Everything has become new. All of this is of God who reconciled me to himself. And then he gave me the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing to man their trespasses. For him who knew no sin became sin, that I might be made the very righteousness of God in Christ. Now, that'll, that'll put a strut in you. You can practice at home. Just. So, so let me ask you this. And, and, and have you ever get around people, it's like, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. I mean, hi. What's, what's going on in their mind that they can't? How are you doing? Glory to God, you What's going on in people's soul that causes them to, that's shy is pride. If Jesus bore your sins, look at people in the eye. The number one way Satan attacks your soul is by saying something to you to hurt your heart through people. You have accusing thoughts about yourself and others that loop in your head. You know, they did that, and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to put up with that crap, I'm going to put up with that, and I'm going to turn around. You need to go, Satan, shut up. Get out of my head, I bind you. Any thought that enters your mind that's not word of God, get it out of your head. Now, that's where you need to learn to confess the word of God. Now, go to, go to Isaiah, I said 61. Yeah, 61, verse 1. I meditate on these scriptures a lot. I don't know whether you figured that out or not. Anything, any scripture I really like, I, I mark it in yellow, and if I really, really like it, I put red under the bottom, and if I really, really like it, I put a happy face. But The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those that are bound, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, the day, the vengeance, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console all who mourn in Zion, Zion's the church. To give them, that was us, beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. 
We're, he planted you as a tree of righteousness in his garden. Amen. Now, that doesn't change when you die. It, matter of fact, you better be that before you die. Now, think about that for a minute. He is your righteousness. This is why we worship him, not you. This is why you worship God. There's nothing wrong with you waking up. Let's just talk about how to pray. We enter his gates with thanksgiving in our hearts. What if we were to start off all prayer meetings? We want to thank you that you died on the cross in my place. You said himself who knew no sin became sin. Thank you. You took my place. You said, and just quoting the word of God, and you just worship God with the word and who you are in Christ and what he's done for you. Don't wait until you get sick to confess you're healed. You need to, you need to say, Jesus, thank you that by your stripes I was healed, and if I was, I am the healed, and thank you that you've redeemed me from the curse of the law. Don't wait till the curse jumps on you to start confessing it. And it can be a part of your prayer life. That would actually help you pray more than 10 minutes. Boy, that was really good. We will be a tree of righteousness. That, that's powerful. So rather than have your roots in sin, that sin consciousness, the root system of the tree is righteousness consciousness. In order to bear fruit, you need to have a righteous conscience, not a fear of God, a afraid of God. We'll talk one day about the a healthy reverence for God. And you need to have one because he's still God. Amen. All right, are y'all are y'all okay? All right. Romans 8. I think we're doing pretty good. This is a powerful scripture. 31. What can we say to these things? If God is for me. Now, Robert, if he's for you, that's awesome. Now, I want you to think about this. Every one of us in here are in here and righteous because of what Jesus did. We have nothing to brag about. Not a, one of us in the room. But, but the Bible said we all sinned and fell short of the glory of God. So God has chosen that your faith, Jesus did the work. Jesus paid the debt. Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus is one that breathed life into you. And the life that you're now living, you're living by the faith of the Son of God who loved you and gave himself for you. See, those are scriptures you need to get them in your mouth. Now listen to this. Who, what can we say to these things? If God is for me, who could be against me? Not anybody. Not anybody. Let's go back to that. What, I'm going to use a word here. I don't want to make you mad. There's no such thing as white privilege. So what, why does it look like it? Anytime you have people, white or black or Spanish, that are born again and walk in the blessing of Abraham, you're going to look at them and go, I mean, what, 
What are you doing? That you're, you're, you must have a privilege. You do. It's called Jesus. And yet the world right now is looking at us and going, what are you, I mean, America, the, the, the Arabs, they hate us. But it ain't because, listen, they got a lot of oil, they got a lot of stuff, but they just don't. If they'd get born again and receive Jesus, then they would be blessed. So when someone comes along and says, well, you, you had privilege. Well, I, I grew up in a poor home. I didn't have no privilege. If I did growing up, someone forgot to tell me because I never had lunch money. I ate off of everybody's plate at, at lunchtime because my mom didn't have any money to buy me lunch. I didn't grow up with no privilege. I told people all the time I hunted with just a 22 and a pocket knife because it's all I had. You say, do you have a tent? No. Could, who could afford a tent? I built structures in the woods, but I had a good boyhood. But I'm going to tell you, the minute I got born again, uh, a privilege hit me. Amen. <laughs> it's called Abraham's blessings are mine. Yes. Now, doesn't it look like God likes some people more than others? No, some people like God more than others. One day I'm at, I'm at work and I'm laying block. I'm, I'm a block mason like all the other block masons. But I'm the only person that has a brand new Toyota four-wheel drive. Now, if you don't know what a Bondo mobile is, you can ask this man right here. Ask this man right here. It's a truck that they have wrecked so many times when they were drunk that they had to bondo it, and, and they never paint it. They just sand it out, and it's gray, and it's got a red fender, and it's got a blue fender, and it smokes when it goes down the road, and it's the back of it's full of beer cans. That's a construction worker's pickup truck. Now, you coming down the road, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Am I right about that? That's what they look. But I'm out there in a new pickup truck with no beer cans in the back. And they said, Morgan, we've heard you've been flying airplanes over the Bahamas. Are you selling drugs? I said, no, I'm preaching Jesus. Well, how would you get that truck? Tithing. And I don't want to tell you what they said because it sounds very bad. That is the biggest bunch of donkey fertilizer I've ever heard in my entire life. You don't give money to a preacher and get a truck. Yeah, you do. All right, are y'all out there? So what do you think? That's a good testimony. But I'm blessed. I, I, the job didn't get me that truck. God got me that truck. Boy, I'm preaching real good. Nobody ever said that you, listen, I know you all have a job, but don't limit God to it. One time I walked around, Diane and I said, I find money. Everywhere I go, I find money. I find money in Jesus' name, I find money. I started finding fives, ten, fifteens, twenties, silver dollars on the bottom of a swimming pool. I found money everywhere I went. And someone said, why'd you quit? And I went, I don't know. 
I did it for several months. I mean, it was just the craziest thing. I just started saying, I find money, I find money, I find money. I had my own business, and I, I couldn't buy a job. And I started saying, I have work, work, and more work. I have more work to do, and I know what to do. And within about a month, I was turning down work. Now, the blessings of Abraham. Amen. Amen. So if God, look at this. What can I say? If God is for me, who can be? He who didn't spare his own son... Now, think about the, what he gave you. I mean, that's a gift, baby. That's a gift. He didn't spare his own son, delivered him up for you. How shall he not with him freely give you anything you want? I'm talking about a house now, buddy. I'm talking about your own house. I don't, hear, don't talk to me about how much they cost. It don't matter. But... I think it was Justin was talking to Mark Hankins about, he said, I can't afford that truck. He said, I didn't ask you. He said, never look at what you want and ask yourself if you can afford it. No, come on, I'm going to come over here and pray to me. My God, according to his riches, and say nothing about your checkbook. All right. Who's going to bring a charge against you? Now, look at what it says right here. It was God who justified. Justified is another word for made you righteous. God made you righteous. Who is he that condemns you? It was Christ who died and furthermore rose and sat down at the right hand of God and is right now up there praying for you. Who's going to separate you from his love? Trouble, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword, antichrist, bad government? No, nothing. I told my boss one time, I said, it's a good thing I work for you. I said, because God's blessing you because I work here. He said, he looked at me and said, well, somebody's blessing me. I said, you don't want to fire me because you're going to go under. You say, well, that's an attitude. It is. It's called a righteous attitude. I'm doing pretty good, Zach. All right, now go to 1 John. Now we've got to talk about but I missed it. You ever missed it? Pause. Pause. What about you? Frank hadn't. Frank's, Frank's an angel. I'm not quite sure what kind of angel. We're just, he's an angel. He's a, <laughs> How many of you ever missed it? When you miss it, you lose a sense of righteousness. Well, that doesn't mean that you go, by the way, you feel... Sometimes you, you say, well, I don't feel God anymore. Well, won't you just start praying in tongues and worship God and you'll feel him again. Okay. All right. One, First John 1, verse 5. This is the message we've heard and declare to you. God is light and in him is no darkness. If we say, I have fellowship with him and you're walking around in darkness, you're lying. You're not practicing what you know. If you walk in the light as he's in the light, you have fellowship with one another. The blood of Jesus keeps you all clean from all sin. So stay in fellowship with people. Don't be, don't be crossing up with everybody. So, and if you're out of fellowship and say you have no sin, you deceived yourself, truth's not in you. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Amen. Aren't you glad that's in there? Yes. 
Barbara, you ever used it? I'm not even going to ask you. I know you. Zach, you ever used First Child? Oh, my God. You know what? I have a bottle of grape non-alcoholic wine in my refrigerator. It's for the big sins. <laughs> Come on, y'all don't look at me in that tone of voice. You're making me feel bad. You ever had one of those days when you just know you said, I shouldn't have said that and I shouldn't have done that. And yeah, You know what I'm talking about. I usually go in the kitchen and get me a glass and pour me a, a glass of wine. Non-alcoholic, so don't look at me in that tone of voice. And I'll get a, 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 a taco chip. It's one of those chips we have in the, they always have salt all over them with it. Dipping chips. Nacho chips, that's it. Get me a nacho chip and, and I'll sit down and I'll open up my Bible and I'll open up First John and I go, okay, my conscience is bothering me pretty bad right now. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I, I want to be able to enjoy my day and sleep tonight. And you just sit down and just get it right. One thing I learned is that once you sin, that sin attaches itself to you. If you get angry and don't confess it, you just start staying angry. You get bitter and it just stays in you. But once you confess it, Heavenly Father, it's not Lisa's fault. It's not Robert's fault. It's not Kathy's fault. It's mine. I did it. Eyes wide open. I'm wrong. I'm confessing my sin. I'm asking you to forgive me and cleanse me of this sin and restore unto me and cleanse me from everything in me that's unrighteous. Now, I'm going to tell you something. That's a, uh, there's a lot of people in the body of Christ. I think someone said 80% of people in the body of Christ are offended. Don't you run around offended at people. The people are not your problem or your answer. You want to blame someone for where you are. You just look in the mirror. You, you don't have to go very far. If God's for you, what's it matter what everybody else did? So this is my last scripture I'm going to use tonight, and we're going to probably get out of here a couple minutes early. But, um, but I'm going to tell you this. I, I think this being righteous conscious is probably one of the greatest things you'll ever do for yourself as a Christian. Is, is learning who you are and what he did and identifying the you are who he says you are. Those I am complete in him. Go to, go to Colossians 1.13. Pop it on the screen. I'll, Colossians 1.13. I'll say, this is another one of those scriptures that I read. I read it often. He delivered me from the authority of darkness. And he placed me into the kingdom of the son of his love. In whom I have redemption, it says in King James, the forgiveness of sins. That's an incorrect translation. It's the remission of sin. You didn't get forgiven when you got born again. You got redeemed. Amen. So the King James says forgiveness. That word right there is totally incorrect. Matter of fact, that's what T.L. Osborne and I talked about when we were down in Montague, Columbia, is that word right there in, in Colossians and Galatians. Anyway, forgiveness is for a Christian. 
but you are redeemed from sin. Now, understand, some, you're going to have to learn this, and I don't have time to do it tonight, but the weapons of your warfare are not carnal, friend. They're mighty. But you, you have to put this word in your mouth. I'm the righteousness of God. I'm the right, I'm blessed coming in. I'm complete in him. He's redeemed me. You say, what if it don't happen? It already did. You're not trying to make something happen. You're just standing, you're just saying what he said. You leave it alone. It's your faith. Let God be the one that brings it to pass. Don't touch that. You'll get yourself all cross-wired. I said it five times, God, where are you? Okay. Like I said earlier, it took me a year of listening to Copeland Paul. I haven't believed what I'm preaching. My mind kicked it out. Like, oh, that's hard to hear. A lot of Christians, you, you say you're righteous, you'll get a fight in the kitchen, boy. I mean, they've been around church long enough to know there ain't nobody righteous. No, not one. I've gotten into arguments with pastors, and I told them, I said, the book of Romans, elementary book. It's kindergarten, brother. And you don't know it. Never mind, I was, I had to get forgiven of that, too. All right, let's make some confessions. I am the righteousness of God that is in Christ Jesus. Him who knew no sin, that would be Jesus, became sin, that I might be made the very righteousness of God that is in Christ. I'm complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. I've got authority over all of the work of the enemy. If God is for me, who could be against me? He has forgiven every iniquity. He has healed every disease. He has redeemed my life from destruction. And he has made me righteous. Now see, some of y'all are waiting on Sunday to hear a good sermon. You just preached a good one to yourself. Now you know where I learned this? Not in Bible school. Fighting devils. That's right. I didn't learn the Bible in Bible school. I learned it after I left. When every devil in hell tried to stop me. And I went, where is that scripture they taught us? It's become a way of life. Lisa and I, we sit around and read the Bible in the morning, read the Bible to ourselves, confess the word of God on who we are. Every failure in your life is, is really a failure of not accepting the righteousness of God. Don't go by the way you feel. You are who he said you are. The confession of it will create the reality of it in your life. Father God, thank you for this evening. Thank you for the opportunity. It's such a joy for me to come in here, and I just felt like teaching tonight, not preaching. I wanted to just teach. I just wanted to go line upon line because every one of us in this room deal with this to some degree or another. And we probably will until we're taken out of here or raptured. And I thank you for the word of God that we have a book 
who tells us what you think. And we can agree with it. We can use it as a weapon when Satan attacks us. Or we can use it to renew our mind. But Father God, I thank you for every person in this room that, that, the, that you are progressively taking them to greater and greater revelations of who you are, who they are, and what you did for them in Jesus. I pray that we would become so righteous conscious that we'll have no consciousness of sin at all. But we will act like a kid in dad's refrigerator in the throne room of God, knowing that when we go in, we're coming out with our answer. We give you the praise and honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.